Hi, this is Pastor Keith Joseph coming to you from First Baptist Church of Jackson, Georgia. Welcome to our weekly broadcast. We hope it speaks to you where you are in life. To learn more about our ministries, check us out at jacksonfbc.com. Please turn with me to, to Romans chapter 3, Romans chapter 3, and I want you to let your eyes focus on verse 23 with me today. In verse number 23, here's what the Bible says, for all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. How many of you know that verse, at least heard it one time in your life? Most of you have. I, I put a little number one by my Bible, so it'd be, that's my, how I footnote things. And I went down, Brother Danny, in the, in the bottom of, of my Bible, you're about the same size, and I wrote these words. Now, now, get ready for them. They're theological words. Here they are, total depravity. Now, some of us in this room is like, oh boy, it's going to be good. Others of you like is, woe is me. Now, the doctrine of total depravity, I know this is the deep end of the pool, is simply this. It is simply the, the fallout or the, the result of the, of the fall in the world. When, when David was writing in Psalm 51, he said this in verse 5. He says, I, I was brought forth in iniquity, and in sin did my mother conceive me. He was not saying that, that his mom and dad were in sin when they had the physical relationship. No, they were just sinners. I love what R.C. Sproul said in his systematic theology commentary. He said this, we're not sinners because we sin. Now listen to this, we sin because we're sinners. Is that true? A couple of things I want you to write down. In my research, I discovered this. Number one, the common denominator in every mess that I find in the world that I researched was who? What's the common denominator? It's people, all right? It is people. We say it's political party, but it's people. Secondly, people are the reason, write it down, for the mess that's in this world. Proverbs 28 and 13 says this, He who covers his iniquity will not prosper, but he who confesses and forsakes it will be blessed by the Lord. Uh, I, I want to kind of dive in with you now. I, I, I get this. Uh, there's times uh, when you come to church that, and you hear the Word of God, you, you feel worse when you leave than when you came in. Isn't that true? You say, well, why is that? It's because when you deal with sin... David Jeremiah said this last night in his message outside of his church, Shadow Mountain Community Church. He says, when we're in passages that are encouraging, we are what? Encouraging. But when we come to passages where we have to deal with the, the issue of sin, it's really not that encouraging. And some of you are probably in this series or have gotten to the point in Romans 3 that you're pretty low on the totem pole in your thought process. But listen to me, when you, when you read the Word of God and it begins to inspect deeply in you, you, you need to walk on through it. Because it might be an issue that maybe you don't know Jesus, your Lord and Savior. Or maybe it's an issue that there's something in your life that God says, that you've given me most everything, but not everything. Or maybe it's just an issue that, that God has got you down in a place that He wants you to dig deeper. Because the truth of the matter is, if you, if you don't expose sin, you'll never live apart from it. Let me illustrate it this way. There was a, a dear friend of mine who recently passed away. He had a stroke and just passed away within a few days of the stroke. But, but his mother, years earlier, had gone to the doctor feeling really poorly. And she, she uh, had a full body scan. And the, and the doctor sent her something like this uh, in a package that had the test results in it. She was so afraid of the results that, that she did this, that she, she simply put, the, put them in a particular place and, and never looked at them. I think that's some of us in this, in this series. I think that's America right now. We decide to file God away. Hasn't it true? 
We've decided to file God away, and we really don't want to get into the Word of God. We, we maybe get a verse here, a, a coffee cup verse here or there, and, but we don't want to really get into the Word of God. And remember what Paul has told us. Paul says the answer for our mess is Jesus Christ. And so, so I, I, the title of the message today is simply is guilty or not guilty. If you're guilty and you know that, and, but there's, there's a remedy for it, you should what? You should take the remedy. But if you are not guilty, you'll never come to the remedy. You'll never change your life. And then others of us think this, that the remedy makes us good to go. We think this, if I've got Jesus, i got the remedy, so it, it doesn't matter from this point on, I can live any way that I want to. And Paul has never said that in the book of Romans, he proved in chapter 1, verses 18 through 32, that all Gentiles, that's you and I, are in need of a Savior, we're sinners. In chapter 2, he proved it to the Jews that, that they also, remember there's only two groups of people designated in the Bible, Jews and Gentiles. Sometimes it's called Jews and Greeks, sometimes Jews and barbarians. We're called a, a lot of different names, and then there's the Jewish people. But I want you to lean into this today. I want to get personal with you and ask you this. Where are you with God? Where are you in your journey with the Lord? In this search, I've discovered that, listen to me, that we as people are the reason for the mess that's in this world, but that there is a remedy for that. But we have to get to the place, first of all, that we deal with our situation. I, I love what one pastor said. If you, you, this may be the only thing that you, you really lean into quickly, and it's this today. Listen to what he said. Either God is overreacting in His Word, or we are underreacting. That was worth the trip. Either He's overreacting in His Word, or we're underreacting in our response. Now, now look with me in chapter 3, if you would. Paul, Paul's doing that. He's, going to, he's come to a summary. He's going to summarize for us his discussion in the first few verses with the Jewish people. And what he does, as Tim Keller says in his commentary, it, it's a question and answer time between Paul and the Jews. So in the first nine verses, there are this three, here's fill in the blank there. He asks and answers three questions. Number one is this, here's the question, write it down. Do the Jewish people have an advantage as God's chosen people? He says, do you have an advantage? Chapter 3, verse 1. Then what advantage has the Jew, or what is the value of circumcision? We would say it like this, what's the use in going to church? You ever say that? Why do I go to church? That's many people saying to bed this morning. Uh, they don't see the need of going to church. But now watch what Paul says here, verse 2. Much in every way. To begin with, the Jews were entrusted with, the, I love this, the oracles of God. The oracles of God is a, is a code word for saying that they've been blessed with the Old Testament. You and I not only have the Old Testament, we have the New Testament. And the Jewish people are saying, Paul, Paul, if we are actually sinners, then why have we spent all this time reading the Bible? If we, if we are, are in need of God, why did the males in our group, as a sign of our faith, get circumcised? We would say, well, why did I get baptized? Right? Why did I get baptized? If this alone does not help me, and what Paul's been saying in chapter 2 was this, he said, you can do all these things and still be without God. You know everything I've done so far in this sermon with you today, I can do without being saved. You know, you can pray, read the Bible, give, go on a mission, do all these things and still not be right with God because if there's not an inner witness of, uh, of your life, you say, some people say, well, I pray, but nothing happens. Well, do you know the one you're praying to? I come to worship and there's really not much going on there. Well, were you worshiping Him during the week? I'm going to tell you this, you, that the Bible is beneficial to you whether you're saved or not. Because when I was a kid, the, my Bible taught me not to murder and I learned not to murder before I was ever saved. 
Because it was, it was a moral thing for me. I'll tell you, the Bible has kept me from more wrong. It is him, me, and because, listen to this, because, Brother Daniel, there's a difference between total depravity and utter depravity. Total depravity means that we're all lost. Utter depravity means this, that you are the worst that you can be. So now watch as we're working through this together. Paul says here, Jewish people, you're saying that you have no advantages, but you do have advantages. Question number two is this. What did their, their faithlessness say about God? Write it down. What did their faithlessness They were faithless. He says, well, now, now God, don't blame us. Nobody's perfect. Have you ever said that? Nobody's ever perfect. Look what he says in verse 3. What if some were unfaithful? Does their, does their unfaithfulness, excuse me, does their faithlessness nullify the faithfulness of God? So, so if God gave them advantages and they didn't take advantage of it, does it mean that their advantages were of no value? It's just like the lady that, that, that we were referencing here. She was given, now listen, she was given the results of her test because of a caring doctor that wanted her to know what shape she was in. But because of her fear, and listen, she gave some legitimate excuses. She was a single mother. A beautician. If she didn't show up for work, they didn't get paid. They, they had no 401k. They had nothing else. It was her income and that was it. And she had to work just to get by. And in her mind, what could be in the test results could be detrimental to the moment. And you see, I find this all the time is this, that people don't want to be in a place where they're, they're finding out about the wrong in them. They just want to get through the day. Isn't it true? I mean, I listened to it. I almost didn't watch the debate the other night. But I knew I had to. Because I really thought, man, this is going to be just like the other. But thank God it was not. It was very substantive in many ways. And we won't get into that right now. But, but I, I want to say this to you. That, that we're in a passage of Scripture now where Paul is saying to the Jewish people and to us, it is so important that you listen to God. You won't be perfect. But now watch what the Bible says here in the text. He says in verse 4, By no means let God be true, though everyone were a liar. He said if everybody in this room says that, that God gives you no advantages, you're wrong. Now watch this. Because th that you may be justified in your words and you will prevail when you are judged. The fact is God's always right. Now there's a third question is this. Number three is this. Was it right for God to judge them as sinners? This is kind of a ridiculous argument that Paul is engaging in in verse 5. He says, but if our unrighteousness, these are the Jewish people, serve to show the righteousness of God, what shall we say? That God is unrighteous to inflict wrath upon us? I speak in a human way. Paul says, you know, God, if what I'm doing magnifies the grace of God, if my, my unfaithfulness shows your faithfulness, why should you judge me? Now, now, now watch this, follow the context. He says in, in verse 6, by no means. For then how could God judge the world? For if through my lie God's truth abounds to His glory, why am I still being condemned as a sinner? If, if, if I am showing forth by my weaknesses the strength of God, should not God just kind of give me a pass? It's kind of like someone who says, don't do as I do, but do as I say. Now what sense does that make? What sense does it make for me to tell my kids to go to bed because they shouldn't watch something and then I turn it right back on? This is the argument that they're making. And Paul says this in verse 8, And why not do evil that good may come? Or, or, as some people slanderously charge us saying, now, now watch this, he says, No, their condemnation is just. The King James Version, you want to go over the top, uses the word damnation. He says that God has deemed that they're unworthy to go to heaven in their present state. And so all are what? 
guilty. Now, there's some things out of this. I know this is the deep end of the pool with us right now. So let me ask you this. Are you guilty or not guilty? You say, preacher, I'm not worse than the, than the next person. That's, a, that's probably a true statement for some of you. But that does not answer the question whether you're guilty or not guilty. Now watch as Paul continues in, in verse number 9. He says, what then are, are we Jews? Now notice he includes himself the personal pronoun. He includes himself, are we any better off? I'll, I'm thankful for a man who does not distance himself from the argument. I'm thankful for you as a church that you, you don't think that you're better than someone else. Isn't that true? Amen? If you do, you're, you're, you're in a bad place right now. I'm not better than anyone else. I, I don't have any tattoos on my Bible. On my, on my Bible, actually, I do. I don't have any on my body. You say, well, man, you must be a holy man. No, I'm just afraid of a needle. You say, and I preach I got strong problems right there. Well you, well, you need to get your theology straight. All right, that's another message. But you see, listen to me, that doesn't make me better than the guy that's got a tattoo. By the way, he's not any better than I am because he's covered up some of the ugly, and I'm all ugly, all right? That, that does not make a difference in that. But listen to me, we've got to stay focused on the things that are really important in life. So if you have short hair, if you've colored your hair, or you don't have hair, listen to me, that's not the, the issue before us today. The issue is where you are with God and how do you live your life out of that. So all I want to do is to walk on through what Paul says here. And this is where it gets really understandable. I want you to observe three thoughts with me. Number one is this. Sin is the greatest deception in the world. Sin is the greatest deception in the world. Paul says this in verse 9. He says, not, not at all, for we have already charged that all, both Jews and Greeks, here it is, are under sin. Now notice that little word, under. That is the position there by, by Paul, specifically under the anointing of the Holy Spirit. To, it, it distinguishes this. Somebody who's not just kind of laying under a car and somebody's going to lift it off. No, he is completely under and there's no way he can get out. To be under here does not only mean that he cannot be out. You know, if you can't get away from something, that something controls you. Am I right? Is that, does that make sense? If, if you can't get away from it, it's controlling. You say, well, well what does that look like? Does, does anybody ever get hooked up in, uh, in these different TV series and have to binge watch them? Don't lie to me in this room. I'm right, right. I mean, I mean, we just. Can't, I remember a, a series one year. Uh, we were doing ministry, and it was on a Friday night. I can't remember what it was. I barely remember. But Sherry said, "Now you know we got to be home by nine o'clock. Why are we going home at nine o'clock? Well, it wasn't to have another prayer meeting because it was the season finale of that show. Thank God for DVRs. But sin is a deception." We are underneath sin. And what Paul does now is that he lists 14. There are 14 accusations he makes. Actually, there are 14 indictments. He uses seven Old Testament passages. Now watch it. To, to magnify the point, if you read our book together uh, that, that, that I wrote, The Search, you know that I broke them into four categories. Here, I just want to kind of walk you through them. Here's what I, here I want you to write this down. Sin dominates, now listen to this, sin dominates every part of our lives. Sin dominates every part of our lives. Now I want, you to, I want you to see this in the text. He says here in verse 10, as it is written, none except Sam is righteous. It doesn't say that, does it? Wait a minute, that's in Sam's Bible. I'm using yours. Here you go, bro. I'm just kidding. Here's what the Bible says. None is righteous 
No, not one. Now, now think about this for a moment. I put this down in your notes. It's not on the screen, but it's going to be in your notes. Write this down. Sin has crushed the righteousness God placed in us before the fall. Now think about this. But Adam, Adam was not like you when he was created. Anybody glad for that? I guess not. I am. Eve was not like me when Eve was created because they had the righteousness of God inside. There was an absence of sin. There was, there was no total depravity, Brother Danny Smith, in Adam and Eve when they, were, they were, when they were born, not born, when they were created by God. There was none of this mess. But then when they walked away from God, the unrighteousness came upon them. Now, now watch this for a moment. He says, no one is righteous. No, not one. He is driving this point home. So when we sinned against God, all the junk came to be in our lives. And Paul says, I want you to know you need something else. Notice what he says in the text. Verse 11, no one understands. Write this down. It's not on the screen, but write this down. Sin keeps us from understanding God, humanity, and truth. Listen to this, no one understands. You know what that means? That means that we choose all these other paths in life and no one seeks after God. Now listen to me, you are totally depraved when you're born. You are, you are the product of a loving God who created you in His image and part of His glory was retained inside of you, but you were tainted by sin and because of that, now watch, not only were your hands created by God with five fingers on each hand, if you're blessed with that, some may be less and with that something may have happened and you, you were blessed, but do you know what? There was also the DNA of sin born inside of those five fingers that caused you sometimes to do this that causes you sometimes, instead of handed to somebody, you grab to someone. In counseling as a pastor, when I counsel with someone who comes and they are repentant of their sin, and I believe this with all my heart, the greater the repentance, the greater the righteousness. The greater the brokenness, the greater the blessing. But when I sit down with someone, that they are totally depraved, but they are not utterly depraved. They have made it and they've blown it in a mess, but in the midst of their mess, understand something. There are other contributing factors that are inside of them. So listen to me. If, if they have wrecked and they are in prison for an alcoholism that caused someone else's death, do you know that most likely that somebody in their family before them was also an alcoholic? Y'all know that? And so what happened, it began to pass on down the path. And unless something else happens, sin that is dominating in your life, listen, it gets worse and worse. You don't even know it's there. It's subconsciously inside of you. My dad was, was about the fifth or sixth generation of men that were just angry and would fly off the handle. And so from a, from a child, my mom began to pray for me that God would create a different life inside of me. And, but she did not sugarcoat it and say, Keith, you just be loving and kind. She would look me in the eye and she would say, do you know there's a demon in you? Now she was wrong. She would point to my dad and say, that's where it came from. No, she would say, Keith, inside of you is an angry spirit, and only when it is submitted to the gospel of Jesus Christ will that pattern be broken. Some of you in this room said, man, you were mad the other day. You, you, nobody in this room, apart from Danny Smith, that was in Africa one time, I think you were there, no of you have ever really seen me angry because God broke, broke that pattern in my life. 
But now watch this. Had it not been somebody else helping me to understand that, Henry Bagby, I would have thought this, that's just who I am and accept it. Anybody getting this today? See, that's the problem. We are guilty, but because that's just who I am, God, you must have created me that. No, Adam wasn't that way. Now, notice the text. He continues on. He's quoting from Old Testament prophecies, or excuse me, scriptures. Verse 12, all have turned aside together. This is amazing. They've become worthless. Now, this is hard to, this is hard to hear. To be worthless means this, that you're accomplishing nothing of eternal value. That means that you may be doing some good things. I read the story of a doctor, who, an amazing doctor, who saved a little girl who was shot by a drive-by shooting in New York a few weeks ago. I celebrated, I celebrated that she had the ability to save that little girl's life. But I want to tell you, it's as far as she could go. She couldn't change the heart of the shooter that randomly shot without any caring. She couldn't change the heart of the mom and dad who would battle now hatred and anger and revenge because of what that person did. That is just the natural, total depravity of who we are. And some of you need to dig into this with me now. But listen to me. If, apart from God, we can't do anything that, that is of eternal value. Now, you want to write this down. It, it is underneath point number two. It, it is C. Sin has a domino effect in your life. It just begins to affect your life. Look what it says in verse 13. Their throat is an open grave. That simply means this, that, that, that they are giving destructive advice. They use their tongues to deceive. The, the venom of a snake is under their lips. Can you imagine walking up to somebody and saying, you are talking like a snake? That's who we are. Now watch what it says, verse 11. Their, their mouth is full of curses and bitterness. Their feet are swift to shed blood. In their paths are misery and ruin, and the way of peace they, they have not known. Have any of you seen any of this in our world? I think about someone when they, they come up onto a group of people and they're about to ride. Instead of being the one filled with the Lord Jesus Christ, breaking the pattern, they decide to choose a side. Isn't it true? Choose a side and to make it worse. Are you on my side or are you on the other side? So instead of saying we are Christians who are serving the Prince of Peace, we become violent offenders. This is my right. This is the way that I should live. And there's no one there to check you at the door unless you come to this church. Because in this church, we read the Word of God as it says, and the Word of God says this, this domino effect leaves us lost without an answer in ourselves. And, and some of you are going right now to, to a non-Christian counselor who does not counsel from this viewpoint. They counsel from the viewpoint that there is goodness inside of you and that, that you could not possibly be wrong. That is a chemical problem. And yes, there are chemical problems that need medication. And I'm never saying that you should not take medication. If you've got a chemical imbalance, you need that. God can miraculously heal you. But the way He sometimes heals you is through the right kind of medication. And so I'm not saying don't take medication, but I'm saying this. A non-Christian counselor does not, does not counsel from the point of personal guilt and personal responsibility does not counsel from total depravity. They, they counsel from, from partial depravity, but, but that you are good and they will say this to you every time. You have the answer within yourself. But Jesus comes along and says, if that's the case, why did I have to come? Because the answer is not in yourself. You, you can't do it. Listen to me, that, that's why that some of you still hate your, your ex-wife or ex-husband. It's because it's not in you to forgive. 
That's why some of you still are hateful at a school teacher that you had. You're still, you're still mad at a parent. You're, you're, you're just, that's just why you just can't get beyond where that you've been in your life. You just can't get beyond whatever it is. It's because that you've never really too, totally dealt with the issues that are in your heart, your body, soul, and spirit. So Paul comes to summary in verse 19 and says, Now we know that whatever the law says, it says to those who are under the law. Now watch this, so that every mouth may be stopped. Don't you just want to sometimes say to people, stop? Look at the hand, stop. Stop. The Word of God sometimes says, keep, stop. Warren Worsby puts it this way, and, he, and he, he's right on target when he says these words. It is only when we stand silent before God as sinners that He can save us. As long as we defend ourselves and commend ourselves, we cannot be saved by God's grace. The whole world is guilty before God, and that includes you and I. So, so I say today, Keith Joseph, you're guilty. Listen to what it says, and the whole world may be held accountable to God. Now this is not an evil God. This is not a God who has pleasure in pointing out your guilt and your sin. God's not being mean to you and mistreating you. God's not trying to make an example out of your life and what you are facing. That's not how God works. The Bible does say it's so clear in verse 20, for by the works of the law, no human being will be justified in his sight since through the law comes knowledge of sin. Everything that we've read today, simply God's Word says you're guilty. You say, well, so what do I do? Oh, this is great. This, this is great. Listen to this. Write this down. Sin is no match for the saving power of Jesus Christ. You see, as one pastor said, there's guilt and then there's Jesus. There, there, there is sin and there's a Savior. There is your choice or there's the cross. For in verse 20 it says this, and we'll unpack this more next week. But now the righteousness of God has been revealed apart from the law, although the law and the prophets bear witness to it. The righteousness of God through faith in Jesus Christ for all who believe. You say, preacher, what what are you saying? Turn over on the back of your notes. I want you to write these things down. There are two steps we must take together. One is this, believe that Jesus Christ came to save us from our mess. He came to save us from our mess. You say, I know that, Pastor, but is He saving you from your mess? Is He changing your life? Now think about this deeply with me. These are things you've got to say. We've got to first confess. God, I'm filled with sin. Confess. Anybody in the room? Confess. You know what we do? We repent. Write it down. We have to repent. That means I'm sorry for this. For six years, this lady had at her disposal, listen to this, the test results. She had melanoma. But the doctor said, now listen to this, you are in the first stages of this. I have a prescribed course of treatment of a brand new drug that's just come out. And if you'll take this treatment a year from now, we'll be able to say that you're cancer-free. But for six years, you know what she did? She left it there. And finally, this is a gospel true story. Finally, one day, she felt something snap in her back. She she had to go to the doctor. They cared to the doctor. And they scanned her back with an x-ray. The cancer had gotten so deep in her bones that it literally ate through a vertebrae. And she was dead within a few weeks. All she had to do 
six years earlier was to confess that I am in trouble. Her repentance was not not repentance like us of sin. All she had to do was say, I'm scared of this result, but God, here it is, write it down, we surrender. Whatever they say is what I'm going to do. What does God say? The Bible says if we confess our sin, He is faithful and just to forgive us and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Gives us dignity. You've got to receive this new life. Listen to me. I, I don't live and beat down, discouraged. When I, when I step up to the plate and God says you're guilty, you know what I do? I confess it. I repent from it. I surrender. And you know what I do? I receive, I receive Isaiah chapter 1, verses 18 and 19. Though my sins were as scarlet, they shall be white as snow. That's why Jesus went to the cross. But not only do we receive, lastly, we, we love. We have to love. God has called us to love one another. Anybody in this room, evidence of life now that you love what you used to hate? Am I the only one? I love people I used to hate. I care for people right now who sometimes write evil things about me. Anybody else? When my kids were little, they were so mean, they'd sometimes get sick and keep me up all night. What kind of kids is that? But I love them. And you see today, that's where it boils down to, isn't it? When you're guilty and you meet the loving God who says you're guilty, He gives you a path beyond it. So will you sit where you're sitting today and continue where you are, or will you today come forth and listen to this? to walk in the life of a safe person. To learn more about our ministries, check us out at jacksonfbc.com.